You're listening to Academic Gig, Episode 8. Academic Gig is a podcast for current and aspiring academic creatives, freelancers, and entrepreneurs. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials, sign up for our email list, and share your ideas for episode topics at academicgig.com. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Katie. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. What's going on with your business right now? Uh, there is a lot of preparation work happening right now. I've got a lot of um, speaking gigs coming up in the next couple of months. And so there's a lot of kind of back behind the scenes details that go into that, um, you know, making sure that you're in in contact with the planners and, um, you know, they need the summary and your bio and a headshot and all of those kinds of things. And there's a lot that goes into that, a lot of time and energy. And, and, uh, then of course there's the prepping for the actual talks, which is also not, uh, inconsequential. So <laughs> I'm just spending a lot of time, uh, in, in getting my, my presentations up and ready to go. What about you? What are you working on right now? Um, right now, I'm juggling a lot of details for my webinar series launch, which as we record this, um, the first webinar happens about two weeks from today. So I need to prep the materials and do like a final check with the reminder emails, uh, create a post webinar survey, and um, all the people who register for this particular webinar get access to a Dropbox folder that has a bunch of resources in it. And so I'm populating that folder this weekend um, to make sure that I have everything and designing the slides and you know all those kinds of things. So um, getting ready to launch the first webinar. And what's actually kind of interesting, um, speaking of planning in advance, uh, <laughs> I'll kind of use this as a segue into our episode, um, is that the first webinar slide design is kind of a big deal because I want all the slide designs to be branded kind of mm -hmm. the same way. And I have a brand design for this webinar series because of how I built out the website but when I'm actually designing the slides, I have to think about, you know, like, is each webinar going to have like the same structure? You know, like, for example, am I going to like start out in a similar way each time introducing, you know, the whole series and making sure that everybody knows that the different webinars are available if they've only signed up for one. And then when I get to the end, am I going to like always have a resource or something like that? You know, mm -hmm. kind of like we do with these podcasts, we have a little bit of a structure so I have to kind of make some of those decisions ahead of time so that I don't get to like webinar three and realize, oh, I wish I'd done this other thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, trying to kind of think ahead and plan in advance. So that's what's on my mind right now with my business. Well, yeah, that is the perfect segue into uh, what we're going to be tackling today. Um, this is part two of our conversation uh, about goal setting and planning. Today, we're going to focus in a little bit more on on planning and sort of, sort of the details that go into um, leading up to the launch of a project. So, um, we, you know, we talked a little before the before we hit record about this idea of what does the runway look like um, before you launch a project. Um, and last episode, we talked a lot about goal setting and, and how do you know which direction you're moving and, and what goals you want to move toward. But this one's going to be a little bit more, I think, about operationalizing all of that? And what does that look like for each of us? So I'm curious, Katie, can you share an example of a, of a project that you're working on? Maybe it's this webinar series um, and a little bit about how you think about planning out uh, the lead up to a launch or the lead up to making a thing happen. What, what goes into that for you? Okay. So let me do a deep dive on this webinar series because it is the thing I've been working on the most recently. And I think it's a pretty good example of advanced planning um, so first of all, I should start by saying kind of ironically, I did not plan on doing this webinar series this year. This was not part of my business plan. I kind of had a little bit of a, a like brainstorm of it in midsummer, 
And I was like, oh, this would be really fun. I wonder if I can launch it by the beginning of the school year. And so I spent like all of July getting this prepped and then I launched it in August. And then the first webinar starts in September and then they run through May of 2018. But when I was envisioning this project and it happened, um, I can tell you literally exactly when it happened. It was when I was walking in the early mornings um, and I had my phone out and I was literally typing notes into my phone as I was walking around my neighborhood. Um, to get in my workout every day. And I started to plan out actually a multi-year webinar series because I thought if I'm going to do nine every year, what are the different kinds of like topics that I could group together that would be cohesive? And can I envision this being like not just a one-time thing? Because what if it goes well? So I always have that question in my mind whenever I launch something with my business is what if this like goes super well and everybody wants more? Like, how do I scale it? And how mm -hmm. do I not be like, and so, it, and that also leads to like, if I'm ever like slightly not wanting to do something, then I don't because I'm afraid, <laughs> you know, like I don't want to be known for something that I don't like, mm -hmm. you know, like I don't want, and, and so I always kind of like prepare for the worst, but plan for the best, you know, like what, what could happen with this? So what that looked like in terms of runway was I had about a month and that month included designing the website, designing the payment structure for the webinar series, which there's four different kinds of payments that people can make, organizing stuff like the promo codes behind the scenes of how to give people discounts, because I offered a range of discounts to various communities that are already kind of connected to me through my podcast and newsletter and things like that. And also probably the biggest time suck during that runway process was creating all of the automations in MailChimp. So ahead yeah. of time. Yeah. I mean this, and I, I would recommend doing this to anyone. Like I, I do not regret it for one minute, but like it took me hours to do this. So for every person who signs up and pays for a webinar, and again, there's four different ways they can do this. So there's like a million emails that they could potentially get. They get an automated email that gives them the link to the webinar, which means I had to set up all the webinar stuff in advance and get it pre-scheduled. And then they get a reminder email one week before the, the webinar happens and one day before the webinar happens. And all of these emails have been pre-scripted, pre-linked, and set up so that I don't have to worry about any of that once someone buys in to the webinar series. Because I'm going to have enough on my plate just mm -hmm. like designing the webinars and like getting the resources and stuff together and answering questions and engaging with the community and all those kinds of things. So this project for me, I was thinking about how do I launch it? How do I set up automations so that I'm not going crazy when it's <laughs> actually launched? And then also, how do I plan so that a year from now, when I want to launch it again, I've got some systems in place and I know what's functional and I, I have kind of a plan for a couple years out of the different kinds of topics that I might want to do. And then one last thing I had to dovetail with was I have a book coming out next year. So how can my topics for next year be kind of dovetailed with Mm -hmm. my book. Mm -hmm. And I had to kind of think about that. And then this year, I also had to think about, do I have any products coming up like in the summer of 18 that I want to be promoting? And what topics in the webinar series might help me to do that? So it's mm -hmm. like, it was the biggest puzzle. And it took me weeks of just like thinking about 
how can I make this work? And I feel like the only reason I was actually able to do it in a way that made sense was because I've been presenting on these topics for years right. in face-to-face settings. So I felt very comfortable with the content. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like the website builds, the, I mean, all the other stuff behind the scenes. And I actually recorded a podcast episode called the anatomy of a launch, which I can link to in the show notes that really talks about this in a little more detail, but, um, it was a heavy lift. So that's, that's one concrete example from my business. Yeah. I have a, a couple of follow-up questions for you. So there are a couple of things I hear, uh, I hear in this that I think it, it is good to kind of separate a little bit. So not only did you have the big idea of, okay, I I think I want to do this webinar because I've got this content. I want to package it differently. I want to make it useful and and usable to, to people in a different way. I want to try this new product launch idea. Um, so there, there's that like higher level strategic thinking about like, okay, how does this connect to everything else? And why would this be a good venture to try, which in and of itself is hard. And then you're talking about the systems that go into that. And I think, and I struggle with this too. And I have, I have various projects that I've done this to varying, varying degrees on, but the ability to go from that high level, I want to do a, you know, I want to do this online training webinar series to, okay, but what does that actually look like in terms of implementation? What are the steps that I need to take in order to make that happen? Can you talk a little bit about how that works for you in terms of transitioning from the big level, here's how all these things connect for me and my business and um, and why I want to do this thing and why I think it's valuable to the nuts and bolts of, okay, how do I make this happen? Sure. Um, so first of all, I think like ignorance helps a lot. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss. It's true. Yeah. In the sense of like, I really had no idea what I, I mean, I knew what I was doing, but I also didn't know what I was doing. I mean, like, as I kind of like eased my way into the project, it was like, okay, so this is actually a lot like, you know, and and I had to make some decisions along the way. Um, But I actually did a lot of the thinking for this project in those early morning walks. And I was literally note taking in my phone. So I was creating to do lists. I was creating, I was like, I was thinking through each step away from my computer Hmm. so that I could be like, okay, you know, if, if they do this, then what happens, you know, like trying to create kind of the mapping of the systems. Mm -hmm. But what I ended up, you know, I also wanted to do some things with this project, like from the audience perspective that would be creative and interesting. So I also tried to put myself in the shoes of the people coming to the webinar series. Mm -hmm. And, and that helped me as well too. But some of the ways that I broke this down was I immediately thought about marketing it. And so that led me to, well, obviously you need a website. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had already kind of broken out the different topics. I knew I wanted to offer it nine times. I had to think about, did I want to offer it multi? And I actually, I had different versions of this webinar series where I offered it multiple days on the same week and I just didn't have enough vacation time to do that. So I narrowed it down to one day a week, twice on that day, it gets offered live. And then there's a replay option. But then that got me thinking, okay, well, then where's the replay? You know, like, Mm. how do I get people to the replay? And I was like, well, if I built a course around the webinar series, then I could house all the replays and like transcripts from the, the, the replays and all the resources too, so that everybody who buys the series could just go to one place. Mm -hmm. and get everything. And then it's kind of like a course. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Like, I haven't seen that before. So maybe that would be a neat thing. And then that got me thinking about, well, but what if you just buy one webinar? And I was like, well, I could still build a course around one webinar. And then they would just have a space to go for the replay and it would look really nice. And like, so the aesthetics of it actually Mm -hmm. drove a lot Hmm. of my decision making. Once I had some of the brand decisions made about the website, 
And then also, as I launched it, people were asking for things that I hadn't thought of. Like um, someone reached out to me and said, can you make it available for people to buy just one webinar for a group? Mm. And I was like, oh, good call. Like, that's a really good idea. So then mm-hmm. I had to like add in some stuff on the back end to make that happen. But I, I think, I mean, to some degree, I don't think I'm answering this very well because it was an organic process that like, as I was going through it, it was like one thing would trigger another thing. And I've done, I've done enough stuff before. And actually I, I leaned back on my experience with my virtual book tour that I did about a year ago um, a little less than a year ago where I did a lot of webinars for different campuses and I had like automated emails and stuff going out for that. And so because I had done that and also because I've experienced different webinars that do that kind of automated process behind the scenes, like I knew what could happen and I knew what I liked. Hmm. And so I kind of combined those things together into creating a system and it hasn't launched yet. So, I mean, we, I, I may have to change the automations partway through, like, you know, I'm not, I'm still kind of waiting to see how people respond Um, but you know, I think that it was kind of the logic of a launch. One thing kind of leads to another. And then of course, I'm sure there's things I'm not thinking of that once it's launched, they'll be like, okay, well, I need to make a note about that for next time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of learning along the way. Well, one, one point I want to make is just that, that I think a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, I want to do this cool thing and then get partway into it. And they're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea like how to move yeah. forward in this and that sort of thing. And I'll say to all of our um, academic creatives and, and freelancers out there, um, one of the, I would say one of the advantages to, to coming from a, a highly academic environment is that you have training in how to break those things down into tangible bits. That's yes. one of the things I found with a lot of um, my own consulting and my own, my own clients is, you know, they'll, they'll go, well, this seems like a really cool thing, but how are we going to do it? How's this actually going to work? And the ability to kind of look at it and and brainstorm and think through okay it could look any it could look in it could look 16 different ways right you could have developed your webinar series in in a multitude of ways to make it successful but here's the way that makes the most sense for you know your capacity you know you you said i don't want to have to go in and do these emails throughout like that'll make me crazy so i i need to automate all of that ahead of time you know, you know the scenario and the context well enough to say, okay, here are the decisions I need to make in order to make this effective. And I think academia really trains us well for that sort of thing, that ability to break down a complex problem uh, into smaller bits, bit-sized pieces <laughs> um, and yes. that we can move forward on one by one. Well, and I think for any of our listeners who have previously taught a course, yep. that is a great kind of um, translation of this because mm-hmm. I basically treated this like a nine-month course. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, I didn't write a syllabus for it, but I did go into my calendar and say, okay, well, if a week before the webinar, I have to send out a reminder email to everybody and that reminder email links to all the resources for the webinar, well, then that means the week previous to that, I need to get all the resources in the folder that's going to be linked in the email. Like I kind of worked my way backward and did a little bit of backward design that said, Mm -hmm. like, if this is what I want. How do I get to that thing? And then I went through my entire calendar and made sure that over the next nine months, I actually have room in my calendar to do these things in the weeks that I need to do them in the midst of speaking engagements and other things I have going on. And so I I completely agree with you, Sarah, like the academia does train us to do this kind of long-term strategic planning. And especially if you know anything about course design Mm -hmm. and you want to do something like this. Um, But the other thing I think that's really important to note is that this was kind of a heavy lift for me to do mm-hmm. this 
but at the same time, I can imagine other people looking at that going, there's no way I could have done that in a month. Yeah. And <laughs> like I'm sitting like, here thinking that exact thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And because and I think that what I want to point out is like, first of all, I had done a, a virtual book tour in the past that happened over the course of three days, but it had a lot of the same structural components of this. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with MailChimp. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with running webinars just in general because I've done a lot of them in the past for a range of different things. And I'm super comfortable with the content that I'm presenting. And so I feel like there were there were also components of this that because I had previous experience with it, um, and a good example of this too, Sarah, is like this podcast for us. This is my fourth podcast mm -hmm. that I'm producing. So, you know, when, when I'm like, oh, let's do a podcast, for me, it's like no big thing. <laughs> but for other people, it may be like, wow, that's a big deal to do a podcast. I've been doing podcasting now, not for a super long time, but well over a year and I just feel very comfortable with it. So mm -hmm. I think that that's another part of the advanced planning is that you have to take into account your comfort level of, you know, have you done these things before? And if you have, that totally impacts it. Yeah, and definitely and building on what you've done before, right? Thinking about yes. how to even if they seem like somewhat disparate skills, I think you can actually capitalize on things that you've done before in ways that you don't always anticipate. Uh, and, and I think about that you know, with a lot of my online video work, um, you know, I built this YouTube channel and since then have been involved in a variety of different kind of YouTube channel builds. Um, and so I know a little bit about the back end and about what needs to happen and how to optimize and all of that kind of stuff. So for me, it's kind of second nature. So I can go in to a client and basically say, hey, I can help you, you know, optimize your YouTube channel by just doing a few, you know, a few different tweaks and and here's how to think about that moving forward. Whereas it would, it, it, you know, if I hadn't done that work before, it would take me a lot of time to figure out, okay, how does, how does this work? And how would I build this thing in this, in this platform? Well, so I'm curious, Sarah, like, because you and I have different business models. I mean, like mm -hmm. I'm creating this product, which is like mm -hmm. the first product I've ever created um, other than my books. And I'm curious about your runway. I mean, like, are you doing similar kinds of things that are taking this amount of time? Like, how does your runway look for different kinds of launches? Yeah, I was, I was pondering this earlier and, and thinking a little bit about that, from my perspective, at least, that your runway seems very um, straightforward. <laughs> And mine is a little bit more windy, which probably makes it not an ideal runway, but that's okay. Um, I I tend, to, you know, as we talked about in the last episode, and I've mentioned, fair, you know, a few other times on this podcast, I tend to be a little more free flowing um, and going where the energy is on a day to day basis, but also in a in a grander sense as well. And so you know, when I decide, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this thing. Um, there's a lot of thought that goes into that. It's not just Oh, hey, squirrel, look, shiny thing. I'm going to go over here. Um, there's an initial spark like that. And then I spend some time thinking about, okay, what would it look like to do this thing? And what does it look like not only from a, a how do I operationalize this uh, and how do I do the step-by-step -step process to get it done, but also from a how does this shift my business or how does this shift my daily life? Uh, and is that acceptable to me? So that's that's sort of a break point that I run into sometimes is like, wow, it would be really cool to do this thing. I would have to make myself completely crazy to do it. <laughs> like At this point, you know, that's actually not feasible for me because of all of the other things I have going on. And so for those ideas, I sort of shift them off into the horizon a little bit as mm -hmm. things that I want to work toward and things that I want to build toward by doing all the things I'm doing right now with that in mind, but, uh, but not immediately jumping to that project, even though it sounds really cool to me and I would really love to do it. 
I know it's not quite time yet, right? There's not, it's not quite the time for me to jump into that. Um, and so I think in some ways the runway, you know, I get, I get diverted off the runway a little bit by, by cool ideas, but I'm always thinking about how do I build to the next thing? And in terms of how I operationalize that in my more daily life, um, it, it's, it's more about, again, those milestones. I've talked about that a little bit, like, how do I move this project forward today? You know, what are the things that need to happen today or this week in order to have advanced this forward in some way? So, um, for some projects, uh, you know, I've got a, a client right now that I'm working on redesigning some of their online training, training module materials. And for that, I really had to do a similar process that you talked about, Katie, which was really, um, you know, taking this down to its essential elements and figuring out, okay, in order to make this thing happen, in order to make this video, I need to script it and then I need to film it. Okay. So now today I need to write the script for this introduction video that I'm going to do for this online module. And then the next time it's okay, well, I need to write this content section, um, for, you know, this, this section of the module. Okay. Go, go through and write that. And then the next week it's okay. I have this content. Now I need to put it into, you know, the, the software program that they're using. Okay. How to do that. So it's, it's, it's really incremental that way, but in, instead of having the full plan, uh, in front of me and having a very clear vision for here, are all of the steps along the way to get to the thing, it's more about, okay, what do I need to do today to advance to this next thing? Now that I'm here at this next milestone, what's next? So it's, it's more of a, um, sort of repetitive, uh, process of thinking about what's next and thinking about where is my energy today. So there may be some days that I'm like, I do not have it in me to write a script, a video script for this thing. Okay, what else can I work on that will advance this project? Um, you know, here are the other things that I'm thinking, okay, this also needs to happen in this order. Um, you know, maybe it's building some of the back end systems or thinking about uh, marketing or those sorts of things that I can advance on that aren't maybe as hair on fire as writing the script, but I also know myself well enough to know when my energy isn't, uh, when I'm not able to do those really, you know, deeply creative things, um, just, just based on how I'm feeling of a certain day. Um, but making sure that, that I then come back to that thing next time, because that does need to happen in a certain order. So then once it's reaching those milestones, it's reevaluating again and saying, okay, now that I'm here, what's next for this. Um, and so a lot of the the system building for me, I think happens, um, a little bit more as it's happening rather than planning it out ahead of time. Um, I just tend to be, I think a little bit more that way. That said, I do have a general sense for here are the things that will need to happen, uh, in order to, you know, launch this, this online training module, for example, I've broken it down, but it's not maybe quite so articulated as I think, as I think you have done. And, uh, and I'm sure a lot of others have a similar sort of framework for really breaking it down to its essential elements, um, and going that way. So I, yeah, I think my runway is a little more, uh, cur- curved maybe, <laughs> uh, windy. windy, but I, I do have milestones along the way that I look for and that I really work toward, um, in a concrete way. I think that something that we have in common, Sarah, is that we're both kind of trying to do advanced planning, I think, to give ourselves room for creativity. Yeah. Like when you were saying, some days I just don't feel like doing X, Y, Z. Like I have the same thing. Um, sometimes I run up against a deadline because I think partially because I work full time where I have to just kind of do stuff anyway. 
Um, but I try to give myself as much room as possible because I also want to be able to make those choices about, mm-hmm. you know, like this day, I don't really feel like doing this. And so I can put it off. Um, and, and usually what that looks like for me is like on a Saturday and Sunday, I'll, I'll kind of put some stuff off to Sunday. Like I can't do it for like months at a time, but, um, I could at least put it off for eight hours while I'm, you know, trying to get my head together around how to be creative in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to shift our conversation a little bit to more, kind of in the more like immediate planning and, and particularly around things like content planning, mm-hmm. um, because we both produce content and I'm producing right now five original pieces of content a week um, between my podcasts and my newsletter that goes out. And I do some content planning around that. That's very different than the planning I just talked about with the webinar series in terms of like planning out nine months in advance. So mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Are you putting out regular enough content either through social media or other channels that you need to be doing content planning? It's interesting that you bring that up because that's actually an area that I have fallen short uh, on in the last couple of months. And it's something that is is weighing on me as a thing that I need to get better at <laughs> uh, and do more of. And so one of the things that I'm really going to be focusing on in the next um, month or so is that content creation process. So whether that's in the form of videos or, um, or blogs or blo- blog posts or that sort of thing, um, my process for that in the past when it was reasonably successful was um, was not as systematized as I think I'm going to need it to be in the future. And so I think I'm feeling a little bit of tension with respect to that. Um, mm. What I mean by that is that usually my, my most, um, my best content comes when there's this synergy of I'm feeling really inspired by something and, um, and it, it connects to, to something that's either happening in the world or something that, uh, is, is deeply personal to me and important to me. Um, my, my enthusiasm and my um, passion comes out a lot more and people resonate a lot more with that, um, in those places. Um, and it can be a little bit challenging, uh, because, you know, those times don't, come around when you need them to and they come around at times when you don't have time to <laughs> to uh, dabble in that <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. and so um, part of my my struggle and part of the thing I'm I'm gonna be trying to implement a little bit more consistently throughout the week is is writing more consistently that's something I've always kind of struggled with um, if I don't have a very specific project that I'm working on so a few years ago when I was writing my book that was actually much easier to sit down and say okay I'm gonna write this section now. Um, partly because it was less creative writing, I think, uh, than, than blogs and even videos tend to be. Um, but there's a, there's a system, uh, systematization that is lacking for me in some of those areas. And so as we're talking about planning here today, I'm, I'm thinking about and kind of making notes to myself here about like, okay, how do I structure this in a way that's not going to feel stifling to my creativity? Um, but that's actually going to enhance it. And I think that's a thing that, that I'm feeling tension with, um, right now. So I'd actually love to hear from you about what is your process for, for developing your content, uh, and, and getting it up on a regular basis. So this has been something I feel like I've been kind of working on over time. And I found a system within the past maybe six months to a year that has helped me a lot. And that is actually to have a content calendar, which is not rocket science. And I'm sure some people listening to this are like, well, that's obvious. Um, You would need a content (laughs) calendar. Um, But I had not really been doing that. I'd been kind of flying by the seat of my pants a little bit with content. And so I would like have a list of possible topics of like things for my newsletter. And then each week I would just like pick one and 
do it. Um, or sometimes I had a situation like you've talked about, Sarah, where like I was feeling very passionate about a particular thing. And so I just wrote a post on that. Um, but I actually kind of treat creativity like a muscle. And mm-hmm. so I feel like, especially writing, I feel like I need to keep that muscle warm. And so that's actually why I do a lot of content creation. And just to kind of clarify, I said those five pieces. So on Monday, I release a podcast episode for my day job um, on research and action. On Wednesday, I release a YGT, You've Got This Podcast episode. On Thursday, I currently am releasing Anatomy of the Book episodes, or Anatomy of a Book episodes, which is my other podcast. On Friday, I release a newsletter blog post, um, and then Saturday, that gets posted to my website. And then Saturday morning, I also release a YGT Q&A episode, which is basically me responding to a question from a listener. So um, five out of seven days of the week, excluding Sunday and Tuesday, I currently have content releasing. And the, the thing that I've actually found to be super helpful for that is I took, I found a calendar and I use Austin Cleon's calendar, which I can link to in the show notes. It's a wall calendar. And I just pulled it apart. So all I have are the month um, days, you know, like mm. the, the square days. Mm-hmm. And then I just go through and I write in, you know, like for a month. And sometimes I'll work even ahead of a month if I have some ideas of what I want to do, what's going on, you know, in terms of the stuff that I'm releasing, like what am I marketing? What's the webinar that's coming out that month? You know, what is it that's going on? that I might have some ideas around what I want to release in terms of content. And so like every quarter, for example, I usually do an update on my annual goals. And so that's something that I can slot into my content calendar. And then um, in December, I often do a multi-week essay often. I did it one year, um, but I'll probably do it again this year. Uh, A multi-week essay on my New Year's resolutions. Um, And so that's like a series that I've done in the past that I'll probably do again. So I can kind of block out certain things in my calendar that I know I'm going to want to talk about. And then I also have some content that I do on behalf of the sponsor of You've Got This, which is my publisher. And so I do some book reviews for them. So I always slot those in like the third Wednesday of the month, you know, like that kind of thing. So having that content calendar really does allow me to look ahead and say like, okay, are there certain days this month where I really don't have any content planned? Now that doesn't get to the actual production of that content. It's just literally what are the topics that I think I might want to talk about this month. And then I actually have to go in and like batch record. Usually I batch record podcast episodes. Like I'll do four or five at a time because they're only about 10 minutes long. So Mm -hmm. I can go in and do kind of one after another. And then in terms of the essays, when I'm traveling, actually, what's what's ironic about this is when I'm traveling, I can usually get ahead because I'll write like three or four of them on the plane. But when mm. I'm not traveling, I'm doing them like week to week. And that's kind of hard because I sometimes I'm going in like Thursday night and making sure that I have something for the next morning, which is not what I would like to do. I like to work a lot ahead on those kinds of things. So but having that calendar, which I basically just like randomly created out of another person's calendar. I mean, it's nothing special. It's nothing like, you know some special process. It's just literally looking at a calendar and marking out the stuff that I want to say. So I have a a follow-up question about that, um, which is what happens when you're, you, you fall off the wagon, so to speak, (laughs) or, you know, you, you either 
miss a, a content thing or there's, you know, there's a topic coming up that you're like, I just have nothing to say about this. I, you know, do you mix it up a little bit? Do you, um, you, you know, skip it and go to the next thing? Um, you know, what happens yeah. when it falls apart, basically? So I change up topics all the time, like just because I've, and actually what I did um, a couple of months ago, I was like feeling really dry in terms of topics. And so I just sat down and did like a massive brainstorming session and then I just started assigning things to the calendar. And so it's totally um, true that I'll go to the calendar. And, and like this week, I was supposed to talk about like chunking, um, chunking big projects into smaller pieces. And I was like, I don't feel like talking about that. And so mm -hmm. I moved it down to later in the calendar. But that idea is still one that I want to talk about at some point. I just had something else I wanted to talk about this week, which this week I recorded an episode called Embracing the Grind. And what does it mean to like really just like hunker down and get work done? Mm -hmm. um, which we can link to that in the show notes. But I, so the first question you asked though, of like when you fall off the wagon. So for the past, so since I've started recording YGT episodes, I have never missed one. <laughs> since I started recording research and action episodes, we have never missed one. Since I started recording Anatomy of the Book and releasing it, I have never missed one. And my newsletter, which has been going on now for a little over a year, I have missed one time because literally I completely forgot. Like it, we, it was a shift in the month. It was like between April and May. Mm -hmm. And so where May fell, like I just, for whatever reason, I just didn't even think about it. And I didn't realize until that night. And so I wrote my list and I said, so I completely forgot you know, and I'm, I'm going to go and take the night off and eat some pizza and watch a movie with my partner. And I'll be back next week with another newsletter. Like mm -hmm. I just basically said like, Hey, I know I forgot. And, mm -hmm. and now I'm going to go off and have pizza. And a bunch of people <laughs> responded and were like, have a good time. You know, like yeah. nobody cared. I mean, <laughs> right. So like literally in all the content creation I do, there's been one time that I, and I wouldn't even call it falling off the wagon. It was just like, I, right. I plum forgot. I mean, I just yeah. did not even, it wasn't on my brain, but I think that, um, the reason that I'm so consistent with it is it's very much a part of my strategy. And we talked about this on the last episode, part one, about building trust. And I feel like it, I just consider it to be kind of part of my business process now. So I can't even imagine like a situation where I would not put out content because everyone's expecting it. I have a lot of people who listen to the show especially um, you've got this very consistently and, mm -hmm. and they're like emailing me and, and talking about it on social media and all those kinds of things. Like it would be noticed if mm -hmm. I did not release something. And I feel like when people are releasing content more sporadically, people may not care because they, yeah. they're not expecting it. But at this yep. point, when these projects have been going on for well over a year, like, and they know it's, it's not even just a certain day. It's like a certain time. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like Friday mornings at 6am, you're going to get this thing. Mm -hmm. So, and I know based on what you said in the last episode, Sarah, that's probably already making you itchy, you know, to have like a date and a time aside. But for me, like that, it, it's in my calendar and it's going to get done. And so especially when I'm traveling, I have to plan ahead to say, okay, I know I need to release an episode, but I can't record it the night before because I'm not going to be there. So like the weekends before, I'm usually prepping out the following week of what needs to go out in terms of content just so that mm -hmm. I can make sure I'm ahead of everything. But mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's I, it's an investment for sure. Well, and I was going to ask what the <laughs> to go really deep here. <laughs> I was going to ask what Let's the psychological <laughs> what the psychological underpinnings of of that commitment are is whatever <laughs> the correct verb is there. Um, specifically, you know, are you do you feel like you are and you kind of already answered this a little bit, but do you feel like you're doing this? 
because you've committed to yourself that you're going to do this or that you're doing this because you've committed to your audience that you're you're doing it in this particular way? Do you do it because you're afraid they'll run away if you don't? Or, you know, I'm just I, I'm curious what the, the root of that ability to kind of keep doing it consistently. What is that? That's a really good question. Um, so let me take it back to Gretchen Rubin, who I mentioned on the previous episode. And um, Gretchen Rubin has this four tendencies model. And one of her one of the tendencies is what she calls an upholder. And this is a person who responds very well to external accountability and internal accountability. And Mm -hmm. this personality type is one of the more rare ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that is me. I Mm. can, you can give me a deadline and I can meet it. I can give myself a deadline and I can meet it. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who only do one of those things well, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there is another group of people that does neither well. That's actually my partner, my life partner, my business partner is what she calls a rebel. So we're, we're on polar (laughs) opposite sides, um, which that's a topic, that's a topic for another episode. Um, but I think that, um, a big part of it is at this point, it's a couple things. Like I do feel a little bit of a sense of like the audience is there and I know they're listening. And so I don't want to let them down, but it's not like anxiety producing for me. It's just like a fact, you know, Mm -hmm. like that they're there and I've said, I'm going to do this thing. And so I need to do this thing, but I do really see it differently than like working out, for example, because like right now I've completely fallen off the wagon with working out and I've been Mm -hmm. talking with my personal trainer about this and trying to get back on the wagon. Um, But when it comes to like the content production, it's like, it's, well, okay, I'm trying to like articulate this in a way that makes sense. And I think there's two things involved. One is it's kind of like my identity in that, like, like, for example, I'm a vegan. Mm -hmm. So if you were like, you know, why do you keep being a vegan every day? Like, isn't that hard? Aren't you falling off the wagon of being a vegan? And it's like, well, no, it's just a thing that I am. Yeah. Like, I don't think about it. It's just like, it's a habit now. And I, it's more than a habit. I mean, it's like something that I identify as. And so I just eat that way. You know, like Mm -hmm. if you were to wave bacon in front of me, I'm not going to like fall off the wagon because I've been, (laughs) I mean, I've been a vegan vegan for like 10 years or more. I mean, Mm -hmm. now it's been like 15 years. It's been a really long time. So I kind of feel like the content creation right now is in kind of this habitual Mm -hmm. situation where I don't even really think about it to some extent because it's just what I do. And I've built it into my process in such a way that, you know, like, it's just going to come out every Mm -hmm. week. Um, And also, I've created systems around it where it doesn't take as much time, you know, as it Mm -hmm. did in the beginning and those kinds of things. Um, But I I think that that's kind of the psychological component. But the the last thing that I'll say is that, and I just talked about this in the embracing the grind um, thing that I just mentioned, which we can link to in the show notes, is that I think psychologically, because I'm such an impatient person, just like at my core, I want to ship things all the time. Mm. And I work on a lot of big projects like books mm-hmm. that don't ship for like 18 months. I mean, yeah. I started and then it doesn't come out <laughs> for like 18 waiting months. Forever. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm waiting forever. And like, I'm trying to like market it and all these things. And what I do definitely get a charge from mm-hmm. being able to ship things out multiple times a week and have people respond to them. And like, be being, you know, putting that content out there because if I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't have that shipping, you know, experience. I would be like mm-hmm. shipping out an article every six months or shipping out a book every 18 months. And, and the way that I've set up my systems, I'm shipping something new out like every month. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the weekly content, 
the projects that I'm juggling, this is why I'm juggling so many projects, I think, is because it allows me to always have something that's about to ship. Yep. Um, now there's problems with that because it means I have so much stuff that I put out that, you know, people are probably overwhelmed by, you know, the, and I get this question all the time, you know, like, do you sleep? That is the most common question (laughs) I get from people. And I've actually answered it in a podcast episode, which we can link to in the show notes as well. Um, but it's, it's a problem for a business to have so many different things going on because then how do you market all of those things? Mm -hmm. And that's actually, I'm spending a lot of my advanced planning right now thinking about marketing and, Mm -hmm. and that I'm not overlapping too much. If I have yeah. a product launch going on at one time, I'm not overlapping it with a book launch or something like that because I don't want to have competing launches. So, mm-hmm. but I want to turn it back to you. Um, talk to me about, you know, like when you're thinking about this planning, like as you're listening to me talk about this, what is it making you think about your process? Cause we, we think about this so differently. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I like, <laughs> there's sort of, I, I hear what you're saying and I'm like, oh, that would be ideal. <laughs> but I also feel a lot of like, that's just not how I work. And so I'm kind of wrestling a little bit with like, I, I suspect that there are parts of what you've described as your system that would work for me. And so I'm doing what I usually do, which is, um, you know, when I'm talking to people or, or you know, reading things or whatever, I'm, I'm kind of picking the parts that I think would work for me and leaving the rest. That's kind of mm. my motto for life mm-hmm. <laughs> is, to, you know, take what I can and leave, leave everything else. Um, and, and so I'm, you know, I'm thinking a little bit about where are my hangups when it comes to content generation. And, um, and a lot of it, I think, is in the production of it, uh, in terms of creating the actual thing. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, sort of falling out of habit um, that, you, you know, you talked about that with respect to working out. It's interesting, because I have that, I don't have that problem as much. I mean, I do fall off the workout wagon occasionally. But because, you know, I know I feel a bajillion times better if I've done, you know, three to four workouts a week that becomes such a priority for me. And I think writing has fallen off to the point where it's not a priority for me. And so I need to figure out, okay, how do I make that a priority? And how do I make it feel good again? Because at this point, it feels like such a um, big, scary thing of like, am I still good at that? Do I still have interesting things to say? Well, what if I don't want to write about this topic? And like all of those kinds of thoughts. Um, are, are kind of bombarding me a lot right now. And so I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I sit down and just, you know, shut those voices up and say, you know, you're going to write a thing today. And whether that's you're going to write a thing on this particular topic, or just you're going to write a thing today, whatever comes out, just write it. Um, and if you can't use it, fine. But at least you're sitting down and writing. And so I'm thinking a little bit about how do I start systematizing that process again? Um, Because I think if I'm able to do that, the rest will come a little more easily in terms of how do I operationalize it into getting content out more regularly or more consistently. Um, That I think will, will be the easier part of it once I get back in the habit of writing more. Yeah, and I I can't remember if I've talked about it on this show, because I know I've talked about it in a few different places, but I ran across this um, quote from Julia Cameron a few weeks ago, and Julia Cameron is the author of The Artist Way. Do you know if I've, can you remember if I've talked about this on the show, Sarah? I don't think so. Okay. So I know I wrote about it. I wrote a essay, which again, we can link to in the show notes, which is basically about not believing in writer's block. And like, and this quote from Julia Cameron really helped me to kind of solidify why I don't believe in writer's block. 
And so what she says in um, this book, which I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but we'll link to her book in the show notes as well, is basically that writer's block is the ego's inability to do something poorly. Mm-hmm. And we're afraid. It's exactly what you said. There's all these fears that are kind of wrapped up in it. And we don't want to do it badly. And so we don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. And I just, for a long time, I've kind of trained my creative muscle. That's like, I don't care if you're going to put out crap. Like, you know how to revise things. And mm-hmm. eventually you will get it to a place that's releasable. You know, yeah. like, so I'm I'm a big first draft person. Like, you can't revise an empty page. But I feel like that's part of what you're talking about is like, we have to get beyond that concern about what if what I put out there isn't good enough mm-hmm. because otherwise we're just not putting stuff out there. I feel like this is a message that I write about a lot in my weekly newsletter. Like I feel like I just package it in like 18 different ways because I'm constantly <laughs> thinking about it and processing it and trying to figure out how to move past the fear mm-hmm. so that you're actually producing on a consistent basis. And at this point I feel like I've just trained myself to say hello to the fear and like wave at it as I walk on by because I'm just like, I have to like do the work. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing too, that, that comes into this, you know, you, you read a lot of things about, well, writers just write, you, you just have to sit down and write and that's what writers do. But the problem with that sentiment is that, you know, writers write is okay. If I've gotten out of writing, does that make me not a writer anymore? (laughs) Right. And so then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm not a writer because I'm not just driven to write every day the way that other people are. And so then that starts to become a part of how I understand my creative process. And like, oh, I guess there are only certain particular times. And of course, I know all of this is, you know, just my evil naysayer voice (laughs) yelling at me. But at the same time, it's really hard to say I'm a writer when I don't do writing that way, you know, or when I don't do writing in the way that everybody else says is the right way to do it. And I think I'm, I'm running up against this a lot in a lot of, um, a lot of areas of my business right now is feeling like I'm not doing it right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm having to kind of shut that voice down and be like, no, you are doing it the way that works for you. And that's the right way to do it. Um, and, but at the same time, wanting to grow and wanting to be better at the things that I'm doing. So there's a tension there that I think I'm wrestling with a lot in my business. And so for any other listeners who are wrestling with similar sorts of inferiority complexes, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I know how that well, feels. That you you totally took that in the direction I wanted to, which was like, do you feel that way about your business? You know, like in terms of how you feel about writing. And I think it's so rooted in identity. Like that's mm-hmm. the problem is yeah. it's so rooted in identity that the fear, the failure, you know, all these other kinds of things. And of course, we have our earlier episode we did on our fears, our business fears. And I think it's definitely rooted in all of these things as well. Um, But I don't know, like, I think it's important that we don't necessarily have an answer for that. Right. Because it's (laughs) cyclical. Yep. And it kind of shows up in all these different ways. And there's not always a solution that's like clean and nice. And I mean, I, I can promise you, Sarah, at some point I'm going to fall off the wagon. Mm -hmm. I don't know when, I don't know why. I mean, I, at this point I can't envision that because I feel like I'm in a a good place with everything. Um, but there's all kinds of things that can happen that, Mm -hmm. you know, and at some point there will be some kind of emergency that occurs that will knock me off of this. Right. And I'll have to tell people, you know, I couldn't get it out this week for whatever reason. Um, but you know, like, I, I mean, I think that, treating your creativity, treating your writing, treating your, your kind of business self, like a muscle. I mean, it also gets to some of the other stuff that we've been talking about, about like the behind the scenes stuff that you have to do for your business. That's not Mm -hmm. super fun. Yep. 
but you still got to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you still got to like do your accounting and your bookkeeping and all that. I feel like that's, <laughs> that's like the stuff that trains your business muscle, you know? Yeah. Business yeah. is not easy. That's it's the not message. easy. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Turns out there's a lot involved in it. And you learn a lot about yourself that you either knew before or that you didn't know in quite that way before. Um which, you know, it's a, it's a constant process of self-discovery and, and uh, you know, the resource that I'm going to mention today, I, I had a, a bit of a, uh, a revelation isn't quite the right word, but I, I was definitely resonating um, with this resource. So when we get to when we get to those resources, I can share about that. But finding the people and the, the messages out there that that you connect with on a deep, a deep and personal level is also really important, I think, especially when you're struggling with stuff like this, finding the people who have been through it before or finding the people who can give you advice that's going to work for you. Um, And like I said earlier, you know, taking what you can and leaving the rest, like there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to do everything to the, you know, to the exact specifications that somebody else does because that might not work for you. And and I do want to say that, like, I understand that. <laughs> um, even if not, even if I don't always believe it, I do understand that. Um, and so for those of you who are also kind of feeling like you're going to do it wrong, I'm going to do it wrong right, right there with you. So let's do it wrong together. Well, I think that's a great segue into our resources. So let's, let's start to wrap things up. What are some sure. resources that you want to recommend? Yeah, so um, I I think we've mentioned this book on the podcast before, but I don't I don't remember um, this book called How to Be Everything. It's a guide for those who still don't know what they want to do when they grow up or what they want to be when they grow up. Um, it's by Emily Wapnick, um, and she really talks about this idea that some of us are not uh, wired, basically, to do just one thing for the rest of our lives, right? Like there are, you have multiple interests and multiple things that you're excited about. You know, maybe you go in one direction for several years and get really, really into that one thing. And then you lose interest in it. And that there's a lot of sort of societal expectation uh, and, and pressure that you have to pick one thing. And that if you decide that you don't want to do that one thing anymore, that you're a failure. And I certainly, coming from my academic background, felt this in spades when I was thinking about making the transition to self-employment and to doing other kinds of things. Um, I got my PhD in developmental psychology. When I decided I didn't want to be a developmental psychological researcher or a clinician, there was something wrong with me, right? Like that was the message. And so this book was really validating in thinking about um, how to understand that part of me that is really interested in a lot of different things and that it's okay. And it's actually, there's, there's a lot of strengths to that. And those are things I knew before, but again, in this idea of finding something you resonate with and finding a message you resonate with, this has been really helpful and validating to read it. There've been a couple, couple passages that I read and I was like, and now I'm almost in tears. Thanks. Okay, great. (laughs) But, um, it's, it's a really great book for any of you out there who are, who are feeling, like you're a little bit odd for being really interested in, you know, online video and podcasting and also, you know, developmental psychology and want to do speaking and training, but also are really interested in strategic consulting for small nonprofits. Like, yeah, you're not alone. There are lots of us out there. Um, and she really talks through, you know, how to how to um, emphasize those skills and how to really build on those skills to make a career that that um, that you'll be happy with. So yeah, that's my resource for this week, this, uh, this episode. It it's really great. So check it out. All right. So I just I just purchased this book. It hasn't arrived yet. But I'm super excited to dive in, especially after that raving review. 
Um, my resource for this week is also a book, which I have, I've read it and I've heard a lot of people talk about it and I recently recommended it to a coaching client and she loved it. And so I thought this is, this is good to talk about it on this show as well. And this book is called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And, um, the reason I think that this book is kind of interesting, especially for these past couple episodes when we've been talking about goal setting and planning in advance is that Tara Moore kind of has these arguments that we hold ourselves back, and especially as women. Um, she it's, It definitely has kind of a gendered lens to it, but I think it's relevant um, for all academic small business owners, whatever your gender, um, because part of what she talks about is that we have all these different forms of resistance, and we need to be kind of more open to taking what she calls leaps. And mm. I think that part of what we've been talking about, and especially when you start to feel kind of uncomfortable and afraid, I think it's right before you're going to take a leap and you need to just take the leap. You know, like I mean, you have to get yourself to that next level so that you can start building up from that new foundation. And I think this book is a really great way to start thinking about that. And she really emphasizes like, how can you do exercises where you can better trust yourself to prepare mm. yourself for those kinds of leaps. And so it's, it's been a very helpful book for me and a very helpful book for my clients. So um, I definitely want to recommend playing big by Tara Moore. Great. Well, we're at the the end of our season for the for this. I know this is weird. It's I'm it's shocked. been really really fun, but we yeah, did a thing. Really so, <laughs> I'm really glad we did a thing. <laughs> I'm really glad we did a thing too. And Sarah, that maybe this is the cliffhanger that you teased in um, the first <laughs> the part of this, yeah. which we we never did in the, in the first part. We said we would. Um, but are we going to do a season two? I hope so. That was my plan. And, I think you know, we should just we say should... we're going to do a season two. So if you're listening to this and you get to the end of season one, there will be a season two. There will be a season two. And in, in season two, we're going to talk about all kinds of exciting things. Um, you know, a little bit of, uh, for those of you who are still in graduate school, how to prepare you for the big bad world. Um, what things can you do now that will help you uh, jump into the world of sort of a non-traditional track? Um, tips for effective networking. Uh, dealing with criticism, all of those kinds of things. So definitely stay tuned. We will be back for a season two. We are super excited to hear from you. So please leave us comments. Um, find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at academagig and at academagig.com as well. You can leave comments and um, give us your questions. And, and as we're developing season two and beyond, we would love to work your questions into future episodes. So please keep those coming. Um, reach out to us. We would love to talk more and hear from you about what you need to know about to uh, launch and continue your creative academic uh, gig. Absolutely. And I also want to encourage our listeners, if you have not already, to subscribe to the show in iTunes or whatever podcast catcher that you use, because we are potentially going to be dropping a bonus ode in between seasons. And that's the best way to know when that comes out and also to know when season two is available. Um, the other thing that you can definitely do is sign up for our newsletter and that um, it's sign up is on the website, academicgeek.com, where you get a, our list of free resources, over a hundred different resources for academic freelancers, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Um, but also you get notifications in your email when the new season is dropping. So um, we have not yet set a release date for season two. Um, and so that really is the best way to ensure that you know when it is coming out so you can download it immediately. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. Thanks to everybody for listening to this first season of Academic Gig. Uh, we have had a blast and we will see you 
uh, on the airways for season two. Sounds good. We'll see you later, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Academic Gig podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and heard something useful that you can apply in your own business. Show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript are available at academicgig.com. There, you can also sign up for our email list and receive over 100 great resources for recommended books, blog posts, and podcasts for the academic creative, freelancer, and entrepreneur that you won't want to miss. You can connect with us on Twitter at Academigig, or you can also find Sarah at Dr. Langworthy and Katie at Katie double underscore Linder. We'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation about this episode. There are several other ways to connect with the Academic Gig podcast. Visit the website to post a comment about a specific episode, suggest a future topic, or ask a question that could be featured on a future Q&A episode. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and helps others find the show. And as always, thanks for listening.